might think of a symphony or a string quartet or a tune for an oboe or a piano as an abstract thing, a piece of art entire in itself on its own. Yet the making of music involves more than introspection and the perfection of a miniature. It's connected with people, events, chance happenings, politics and war, religion and dissent, the cross-currents of thought and art. They all play their part. In the course of this journey, which will take us from those early churches to royal courts, princely palaces, London gardens, Italian opera houses, concert halls, a hundred other places, we'll hear how what's come to be called the classical tradition in Europe was shaped, who changed its course, whose genius kept the flame burning, how a broader history is entwined in all the sounds we know. When Beethoven wrote his third symphony, the Eroica, at the very beginning of the 19th century, those opening bars were the sound of a revolution. He was responding to the challenge of an age of change, and the upheaval is in the score. Freedom was the theme, determination sprang from every page, and a certain anger, because the hero of this heroic symphony was meant to be Napoleon. When he made himself emperor, the composer's faith was shaken. Why couldn't men resist the siren song of power? Beethoven was the genius who took forward the symphonic tradition that Haydn and Mozart bequeathed him. But his music was also a poetic soundtrack to a time of revolution and adventure, when the world was changing and the romantic imagination was taking wing. You can't separate music and musicians from their world. Bach applied his genius to a religious musical tradition that came from Martin Luther's Reformation more than a century before he was born and was passed on. Handel brought opera to a London that was ready for music to escape from royal courts and great houses and into the theatres. Schubert's genius was nurtured in the age when the Romantic poets said that they were the unacknowledged legislators of the world, and nothing was more important than the feelings they stirred. The making of music involves, above all, a certain seriousness, commitment. Tunes can be handed along through the centuries, and the excitement of playing an instrument or singing never ends. That's an essential ingredient. But what links the songs that the monks sang and the composers and performers who gave Europe its music later and scaled the highest peaks, is the instinct for perfection, and the belief that there's always something beyond the horizon to draw you on. When Richard Wagner began in Das Rheingold, his saga of the stolen ring, its magic, 
and the destruction it wrought in the world through greed and broken love, he was writing a kind of music drama that he believed could lift people up in a new way. Gods and mortals would sing and tell their stories with music as part of their being. They couldn't be separated from it. Music wasn't an accompaniment to the drama, but it's lifeblood. Whether you listen to his operas or Beethoven's string quartets, or hear how Stravinsky greeted the 20th century with the Rite of Spring, you're aware of the weight of the belief they shared. Musical ideas mattered, and originality was precious. The urge to create had to be satisfied. Since the recording revolution began and scratchy discs could be played again,